0: anyone ever will what a great God we serve I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Esther chapter number two the book of Esther chapter number two we We're going to continue our study uh, on this book our theme hopefully you have it by now here it is up here on the wall God is at work in such a time as this isn't it amazing how applicable the word of God is When you think about it, and you think about the challenges that societies have faced in the past, and we think about the challenges that society faces now, the Word of God is applicable then and is just as applicable now. And when we think about it, you see, Pastor, there's a lot of stuff going on in the news. You follow the news, there's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, you say, well, what's, what's happening? What's happening in some cases is those that are committed to doing right are deciding to do what's right. You know, we live in a world where many are doing wrong. And sometimes, as God's people, and sometimes really even uh, conservative people that aren't saved, say, I've had enough of it. And sometimes, in a world where everyone is doing wrong, People have to say, hey, I'm going to do what's right. I'm thankful for what happened in Ohio. The governor vetoed the, the bill, and they voted it in anyway. It says uh, Ohio becomes the 23rd state to protect minors from trans, the trans, transgender industry. The Bellwether State of Ohio has become the 23rd state to protect children from transgender injections and surgeries, and the 24th to safeguard fairness and privacy in women's sports as lawmakers voted overwhelmingly to override the Republican governor's veto. Where a governor wasn't willing to do what was right, the people said, hey, we're going to do what was right. Many of you were familiar, maybe you still are, with a lady by the name of Beth- Bethany Hamilton. She was the one that survived a shark attack. And she's in the, the uh, letter, that, uh, the editor that wrote this letter says, I sincerely doubt that the left can scare her, but that doesn't mean they won't try. Ever since last year, when the beloved pro surfer, surfer took a stand for girls' sports, she's been in the bullseye of the trans mob. Now months away from a speaking gig at an organization for undeserved girls, the woman at the center of one of the most inspiring true life stories of our time, how she survived the shark attack, doesn't have the one arm there, is the target of a national LGBT boycott. The editor says, good luck trying to intimidate her. The Bethany we know is probably thinking, guys, a shark bit my arm off and I got back in the ocean. I'm not afraid of you. We need more and more individuals in a world that is doing wrong to do what's right. And we find ourselves in Esther chapter number 2. We're going to read a story about a man that was willing to do right in a world that was doing wrong. We don't need to fear when the world is doing wrong. We don't need to be, there's enormous pressure for us to cave in, and many are. It's disappointing how many, disappointing the Republican governor they had to override a veto. Hey, many are caving in to wrong, they don't wanna have to to deal with the pressure. They're afraid it's going to hurt uh, their business. I, I told you a few weeks ago that I don't know, haven't followed this, so I don't know what happened, that uh, I was in New York's pressuring uh, Chick-fil-A to open on Sundays. And people decide, hey, I, I believe this is the right thing to do, and, and those that are doing wrong want to intimidate you into doing what's wrong. They want to keep you quiet. They want to keep people from going and exercising their right to vote. It's time for us, in such a time as this, to say, I'm going to do right, regardless if the world is going doing wrong. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, the Bible says, right? Narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life. And The Bible tells us in Esther chapter number 2 and verse number 5, Now in Shushan, the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjaminite. That will come into factor later on in our study. I want to preach a message that I've entitled, Do Right in a World That is Doing Wrong. And as we look at Mordecai, we find some characteristics of a man that was willing to do right even though others were doing wrong. Lord, we ask now that you would do what only you can do. We ask that you would open our minds and hearts to truth. Lord, I pray that you would put within every one of us a conviction to do right no matter what. Lord, if we're going to make an impact in such a time as this, we're going to have to be willing in 2024 to say, I'm going to do what's right. Regardless, Lord, I thank you for Mordecai and for his example. I pray you'd use truth now. Make us more like yourself. Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, as I look at Mordecai's life, I see an individual uh, that had commitment. An individual that had commitment. Mordecai is mentioned 58 times in this book. He knew hardship. He was taken captive. We read our verse. Matter of fact, let's read verse number six, the next one, because that gives us more information concerning Mordecai, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity which had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. He knew hardship. He was taken captive, he was a slave under the Persian rule. The scriptures say he was a descendant of King Saul's line, the tribe of Benjamin. Eventually, he held a position at the king's gate. But From what we can tell early on concerning Mordecai, Mordecai was a man that was taken into captivity, but he was committed to God wherever God had put him. Sometimes Christian people can be committed to God so long as everything's going good. They can be committed to God so long as they're doing something that they feel like uh, they want to be doing. But sometimes when God takes an individual, think concerning Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that were taken from from Jerusalem and taken as slaves in Babylon. Sometimes it's easy for God's people to begin saying, well, Lord, something's wrong here. Lord, you didn't do X, Y, and Z, and because you didn't do X, Y, and Z for me, I'm not going to serve you anymore. You know, it's a privilege for us to serve God. It's a privilege for us to be part of God's plan. Can I say this in a nice way? God doesn't need any of us. But he loves us, and he chooses to use us. And Mordecai, as a slave, is committed to, to doing what he's supposed to do where he's supposed to do it. We need to be committed to God no matter what comes into our lives, no matter where God has us. I'm reading a book about a neurosurgeon that lost his son at 18, 19 years of age and Uh, the guy uh, operate on people, and he uh, tried to help people, he still does try to help people uh, that that need brain surgery, and he told a story of an individual uh, in the book there whose husband and wife, right at the onset of the individual's cancer, his brain or whatever was happening in his brain, right at the onset, they said this to each other, we got to make a decision. We just received bad news and we got to make a decision. And that decision is this. Are we going to stay committed to God and believe God no matter what? Let's decide now before we go through this trial. And sometimes God allows us to be in different places. Turn with me just a few minutes. Let's take a minute and look at Genesis chapter number 45. We're familiar with the story of Joseph, and I want to remind us of what Joseph told his brothers. Joseph was mistreated, sold into slavery, lied about, forgotten. But here's what he says when he reveals his identity to his brothers. In Genesis chapter 45 and verse number 5, Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Look at verse number 7. And God sent me before you to to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. Verse 8. Now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. You see, Joseph had a mindset. We wonder, how did Joseph go through all that? How did Joseph handle all the things that he had to go through? Joseph was committed to God. God had given Joseph a dream early on, and we have to think that maybe Joseph was holding on to something that God gave him. And by the way, we have a lot to hold on that God has given us, do we not? We've got the truth of the Word of God that we can hold on to. And what God does behind the scenes is he works behind the scenes. And he gets his people where they need to be. And Mordecai is taken from Jerusalem. He's taken now as a slave. He's he's enslaved. And yet Mordecai recognizes, hey, I'm here. And I've got to stay committed to doing what God wanted me to do. God has us all here where you live, what's your address, remind yourself in your mind, what neighborhood do you live in, where do you work, where do you shop, where do you go to the doctors, how often do we recognize that we're not just here trying to make it through a day so we can go home and relax, we're here on assignment by God, God is placing us in key positions that he wants to use us to make a difference. Whatever happens, wherever we find ourselves, we've got to stay committed to the cause of Christ. There are individuals in our country today, maybe they're not saved, maybe they are, but they're committed to the United States of America. (laughs) They're committed to the cause of our nation, And I'm thankful, by the way, the greatest country there ever is, ever was. The reality is they're committed to our country, and that's what causes them to say, you know what? I am going to do right, and I'm going to stand for right, no matter how much pressure comes in on me. Commitment. Number two, as I look at Mordecai's life, I see, secondly, compassion. In verse number seven, the Bible says this, Esther two in verse seven, and he brought up Hadessa, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter." He decided to take care of his cousin. Her parents were dead and to take her as his own daughter. No one forced him to do this. Look at verse number 10. Esther had not shown her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not. He gave her some advice and say, hey, don't, don't tell them you're a Jew. Look at verse 11, and Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. He tried to keep an eye on her while she was under the care of the keeper of the women. Someone defined compassion as your pain in my heart. You cannot be compassionate and selfish at the same time time selfishness screams me me it's all about me compassion screams you you it's about you why is it that sometimes we're so afraid to take a stand why is it sometimes that we're so afraid to say I'm a Christian because we're afraid of what people are going to think about us why is it we're afraid to say, and again, I'm thankful for individuals in our society, I'm thankful for the Christian individuals in our country that are willing to say, hey, I'm going to take a stand. I've got to say something because young men and young women, children, are, are being forced into th- stuff and deceived into stuff that's going to change and wreck, could wreck their whole life. It's a lot easier to say nothing. It's a lot easier for us to pass people by and say, hey, good to see you, and not say anything about their soul. But if I care... I'll be moved and recognize that here's an individual that I saw out at the store, or that I saw in the neighborhood, or that I saw at the doctor's office, and here's an individual that unless they trust Christ as Savior, will spend eternity in hell, and it ought to break our hearts. But we're too self-centered to be thinking about other people. What's in it for me? How am I going to benefit from this? You'll not impact anybody. If you're full of self? Why do we find ourselves so afraid because we're worried about our own self? Something might happen to me. They might arrest me. You know, I, I tease people. You know, I could get shot for preaching the gospel, right? Or I could sit in a nursing home and no one would know who I was or where I was when I'm in my 90s. You know what I'm saying? Hey, let's, by the way, we're not going to get shot. But I bet, Wouldn't you rather go out like a, with a bang? Wouldn't you go out saying, hey, I did something. Carol got my joke with a bang. I, I did something for God. And he went out serving the Lord. You see, we're, we're so driven by fear. How many have ever heard the name Ray Blankenship? I never did either, until I read this article. Listen to this. One summer morning, he was preparing his breakfast. He gazed out the window and saw a small girl being swept along in the rain-flooded drainage ditch beside his house in Andover, Ohio. Blankenship knew that further downstream, the ditch would disappear with a roar underneath a road and then empty into a main culvert. He dashed out the door, raced along the ditch, trying to get ahead of the child. Then he hurled himself into the deep, churning water. He he surfaced and was able to grab the child's arm. They tumbled end over end within about three feet of the culvert. His free hand felt something, possibly a rock, protruding from one bank. He clung desperately, but the tremendous force of the water tried to tear him and the child away. If he if I can just hang on until help comes he thought he actually did better than that by the time fire department rescuers arrived blankenship had pulled the girl to safety both were treated for shock on april 12 1989 ray blankenship was awarded the coast guard's silver lifesaving saving medal the award is fitting for this selfless person was at even greater risk to himself than most people knew. Ray Blankenship did not know how to swim. You think about somebody that would run down and jump in to save a young child not knowing how to swim himself. Someone else's needs were greater than his own. Mordecai saw Esther and her needs were greater than his own. And he's going to check on her and he's going to kind of got, he took her into himself. You see, sometimes we're so consumed with how we think and our world is around us. Our world is way bigger than we are. We're afraid to say, hey, I'm going to do right. Hey, I'm going to take a stand. Hey, I'm going to vote. Hey, I'm going to do my part. We're so afraid because we're more consumed with ourselves. And we like to admit, Mordecai was a man of compassion. I'm thankful, by the way, for those that could be retired in our nation. They could be at ease in Zion. But instead, they're fighting for our freedoms. It's not about them. It's about us. Compassion makes a big difference. It really does. I'll tell you this, we need to ask God to break our hearts for people. When I first entered the ministry in college, Bible college, I recognized the first church I worked at was in Concord, North Carolina. I recognized that I did not have the heart for people that I needed. I'd find myself thinking, don't bother me with that. I'm going to go to my office. I remember as a young man saying, God, if I'm going to be in this ministry thing, you're going to have to give me a heart for people. You're going to have to, Lord, give me your heart for people. We'll look at it tonight as we look at the little bit of Jesus' life and how he was so moved with compassion. If I'm going to be connected and close to God, he's going to give me his heart for other people. We can't say, Lord, how to be like thee, how to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, and not have a heart for people. Why is the devil so after people? The devil can't do anything to get at God. So what the devil does is he goes to the next closest thing, and that's people. People. He'll do everything he can to blind people and cause people to reject Christ as Savior and spend eternity in hell. He'll try to get every Christian busy doing stuff that doesn't matter. He'll try to get every Christian doing anything they can but telling people about Jesus. Compassion. It may mean this morning that some of us need to say, God, give me compassion. They that sow in tears... How long has it been since we've shed a tear over somebody who's on their way to hell? How long has it been since we shed a tear for somebody that a fellow Christian that's going away from God and the things of God. Jesus is about people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Compassion makes a difference. Thirdly, we'll move through this one quickly because I want to go to one more. Thirdly, he was a man of character. verse 19, the Bible says, and when the versions were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai sat in the king's gate. This could have been a job that was assigned to him once Esther became queen. One commentator said this, the gate was the equivalent of our modern law courts, the place where important official business was transacted. Mordecai was in a position of honor and authority. It was possible, I said already, that the queen used her influence to get him this position. He's in a position of authority. He's in a position of honor. He was a man of character. He's faithfully doing his job. God has them at the right place, at the right time, for the right people. There, were ten, there was a test conducted by a university where ten students were placed in a room. Three lines of varying length were drawn on a card. The students were told to raise their hands when the instructor pointed to the longest line. Nine of the students had been instructed beforehand to raise their hands when the instructor pointed to the second longest line. One student was the stooge, the test. The usual reaction of the stooge was to put his hand up, look around, and realizing that he was all alone, pull it back down. This happened 75% of the time with students from grade school through high school. The researchers concluded that many would rather be president than to be right. Mordecai was a man of character, which leads us to our fourth and final thought. Mordecai was a man of courage. He was a man of courage. He's faithfully doing his thing Verse number 21 the Bible says in those days while Mordecai sat in the king's gate two of the king's chamberlains Bigneth and Teresh of those which kept the door were wroth and sought to lay hand on king on the king Ahasuerus. These two men were likely eunuchs they were forced into a life of servitude to the king. They were angry, they wanted to harm the king, we don't know specifically why. Commentators suggest that maybe they were mad because of the crowning of Esther as queen, which was a little outside the box, and they didn't like that. And these two individuals plotted against the king, and the Bible says in verse 22, and the thing was known to Mordecai. It was known to Mordecai. Mordecai didn't have to say anyone anything to anyone. Mordecai could have just turned his head. Mordecai could have just kept quiet. No one would even have known except God, of course. But the Bible says in verse 22, it was known to Mordecai who told it unto Esther the queen. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when Inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out, therefore they were both hanged on a tree, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. Could it be, this is just my speculation, could it be that there was more than two involved? Who knows? Well, there's more than two involved. Think with me about this. For Mordecai to say something, Mordecai could have risked his own life had the accomplices with the two. I mean, the Bible doesn't say any of this, obviously. Sometimes we are very quick to say nothing, to do nothing. We're afraid to speak out. We're afraid to speak out. We need courage. Mordecai hears of this plot and gives word to Esther who gives word to the king. By the way, we don't see anywhere in this chapter. We see it later. We don't see anywhere where Mordecai got rewarded. We don't see in Mordecai an attitude of, hey, what's in this for me? We don't see Mordecai saying to Esther, let's play make a deal. I'll give you information, and you give me more of a position. You you give me more. We don't see any of that. We see Mordecai exercising courage to say, hey, there's a plot plan against the king. I'm going to go to Esther, and Esther tells the king, and these men are taken care of. Courage. We lack. Last Sunday night, we took a whole message And we looked at courage. We lack courage. We need courage to stand for right. Courage to do what's right. Courage to say, hey, it's not about me. I read an article about, or illustration, about a Prussian king, Frederick the Great. He was widely known to be agnostic. His general... General von Zeeland was one of the most trusted officers and was a devout Christian. It was during a festive gathering the king began making crude jokes about Christ until everyone was laughing away, except for von Zeeland, his general. Finally, he arose and addressed the king. Sire, you know I've not feared death. I have fought and won 38 battles for you. I'm an old man. I shall soon have to go into the presence of one greater than you, the mighty God who saved me from my sin, the Lord Jesus Christ whom you are blaspheming. I salute you, sire, as an old man who loves his Savior on the edge of eternity. The place went absolutely silent. And with a trembling voice, the king replied, General, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. And with that, the party quickly ended. Someone was willing to say, don't take the name of my Lord in vain. How often do we hear God's name being taken in vain and we do nothing? We say nothing. I hope that as God's people, will allow God. I recognize that sometimes Christian people, you grew up and language is with you from a child to an adult. But you know what? Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope as God's people we recognize that if something slips out like that, oh God, forgive me, and God, give me victory to take your name in vain. I hope we don't listen to God's name being taken in vain when we watch stuff on television or movies or whatever he died on calvary's cross for you and people just throw his name around like nothing i hope we don't allow others to make jokes of one upstairs and all that kind of stuff i'll tell you something this world is run by the little g god of this world the devil he'll do everything he can to make Christians and Christianity and God real small and make fun of it. But I tell you this, we know that God's in control. We know that God's on the throne. Aren't you sick of what, the wickedness that's going on in the world in which we live in? We say, hey, somebody should do something about it. And somebody should, but maybe that somebody has to start with us. You see, Pastor, what can I do? Number one, you can come tonight at 5.30 and we'll meet in the fellowship hall and we'll talk to the Lord about it. Number two, you can carry some gospel tracts on you and say, Lord, I got some tracts. Can I give some of these tracts out? Number three, you can kind of be informed of what's going on in the world around us and say, is there something that I can do to make a difference? Hey, when you have an election, you can see, you know what, I'm going to go to the booth and vote. And people think, oh, I don't like any of the candidates, so I'm not going to vote at all. Somebody's going to be in office. <laughs> Nobody's going to agree. Look, we can have all of us take a poll. Not, not one of us is going to agree with, with every one of us about everything here in the church. You say, I don't agree with I don't. Hey, you know what? We have a truth right here. The truth, the word of God. We could live in a country where you don't have an election. We could live in a country where they say this is how it is, like it or lump it, tough. But we've got privileges not only just to vote for individuals, but sometimes these amendments and things come through, and we need to be uh, uh, recognized hey, I got to be informed and I got to do what I can to vote as close to. You say, yeah, but there's nobody that's right on target. That's okay, I'm going to get as close to this book as I possibly can. But it takes courage. In 2024, just like back in Persia, where Mordecai was, we need people that will say, I am willing to do right in a world where everyone around me is doing wrong. Mordecai, God gives us his story to help us to see we can be that individual in 2024. This is God's time now. This is just as important to God as any other time has been. And God wants to use us. Lord, we love you today.